from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, a Pardes alum. This is a special podcast for Sukkot by Rabbi David Levenkurs. Rabbi David Levenkurs is an adjunct member of the Pardes faculty. And now, Rabbi David Levenkurs. Thank you, Larry. What I'm going to say next is probably going to sound a little bit ridiculous, but I've always sort of been jealous of the Rambam of Maimonides. Why is it ridiculous? Because I am a ordinary teacher of Jewish studies. The Rambam is probably the greatest Jewish thinker and halachist who ever lived. Who am I even to be jealous of him? And it's not that he was so brilliant. It's not that he was a halachist and also a philosopher. It's not that he did things at such a young age. It's not that he understood the secular stuff of the time. All of that I can even live with. But the fact that he got to write the 13 principles of faith that many people think of it today is this is what Judaism is. That, I think, is pretty pretty amazing that he managed to get it. And I have to say, I've always been very, very jealous of that. Like, how did this person get to write something that's regarded as being, you know, Judaism? And if my feeling towards the Rambam is jealousy, my feeling towards Shammai in the Talmud is protectiveness. Many of us know the story of how the convert came to Shammai and asked to be taught all of the Torah while on one leg. And Shammai took his, Shammai, who was a um, builder, took his building rod and said, go away. He goes to Hillel. Hillel gives him a nice answer. And because of that, there are wonderful Hillel houses all over the Jewish world, but no Shammai houses. And I've always felt protective and sorry for Shammai. This person is coming is asking a klotzkasha, like a question just to annoy. Shammai says to him, you want to know something? T- take it seriously. Treat it seriously. Don't just um, want to do everything on one leg. And he uses his building rod and he says, the same way as a building has to have a foundation. So if you want to learn about Judaism, it needs a foundation. You can't just learn all of it in um, in one minute. He's saying that you need a certain amount of depth when it comes to the story. So what I'm doing today sort of is taking these two ideas together. Um, my desire to have read, to have written, my desire to write the principles of faith and the Shama's idea that these things can't be said easily and have to be said in depth. I'm combining it in what I hope is an interesting class on the Arbaminim, the four different species which we use on Sukkot. And I'm going to claim that if we look at the explanations that the rabbis give us for the four species, these can be used as a new principles of Jewish faith. And not only that, if you look when they explain the principles, either each of them either hinted complexity or multiplicity. And I think that this makes them wonderful examples for us to think of as five modern principles of what Jewish life might be about. If you have the source sheet, look at it in front of you. The Pasuk, the verse comes from Vayikra, from the book of Leviticus 2340, where it says, on that first day, it's talking about Sukkot, you are supposed to take pre-Eitz Hadar, fruit from the Hadar tree, some type of a citrus fruit, which today is the etrog, kapot tmarim, 
the branches of the palm tree, which today is the lulav, the long one that goes out, the anaf etz avot, limbs of leafy trees, that is the hadasim, the arve nachal, and that is the aravot, willows of the brook, and you should be rejoice in front of God for seven days. The Torah doesn't tell us why. It just tells us that we have to do something. Um, anthropologists have come up with lots of interesting reasons. But what we're going to do together today is we're going to look at Vayikra Rabbah, a rabbinic work which explains the Torah. And we're going to look at what reasons did they give and how can these be used as modern principles of faith? So if you look at number one, Vayikra Rabbah 39, this one is saying that they all are symbols of God. Um, it says the fruit of the Hadar tree. Hadar represents God, of whom it is said God is clothed with glory and majesty. Hadar. There's a lot of word play. There's a lot of concept play going on over here. Some of it might, some it might seem quite forced to those of us with Western sensitivities. But for the rabbis, this was the way they played with language. They believed that the Torah had absolutely universal and eternal meanings, and they had no problem playing with um, these. And each one of them, they say, represents God. The Hadar, which is connected to the word, which means citrus, but is connected to the word majesty, says it refers to God because God is closed with majesty. It says that the palm tree is connected to God because it said Sadik Katamar Yifrach in the book of Psalms that the righteous shall be like the palm. They say that the Hadas represents um, God because it says, and he stood amongst the myrtle trees. Hadas is a myrtle and um, that um, that this refers to God. And finally, the Aravot says it refers to God because there is a um, verse that speaks of Sulu Lerochev Ba'aravot, God who, ri- who rides in the Aravot. Aravot here not meaning willow, but meaning sky. So all four of them, in a way, refer to God. Hadar, to God's majesty. Um, the, um, the Lulav, to um, God's righteousness. The Hadas, to God amongst the myrtles and the Aravot among God who in the sky, who's in the sky. And I think not only is this interesting wordplay, but I think we have four very different understandings or aspects of God. One is the God of mercy, of majesty, I mean. One is the God of majesty, the God who, are, who we are in awe of and who is above us. The second is the God of righteousness, the God who we look to, to act justly or to create justice or who we get our sense of justice from. We have the God who is part of the world, God who stands amongst the myrtle trees, God who is imminent. And finally, we have God who is above us, God who is supernatural, God who is transcendent. So transcendent, imminent, the source of goodness and a source of awe and majesty. The first principle, God who has these four aspects. Secondly, we have Vortlach or explanations that speak about God 
not God, speak about the Lulav and Etrog as referring to the Avot and the Imahot, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel and Leah. The, um, so why is God, why is, who is Abraham? Abraham is the Etrog, which again is called Hadar because God honored Hadar, Abraham with um, old age here. It's not even in the verse. It's just the idea. So um, God is, and it says also, and honor the Hadarta, the, the face of an old man. So it takes two verses. It says Abraham was old, and it says we should act in a Hadar way, in an honorable way to an old face, therefore, to an old person. Therefore, um, Abraham is connected to Hadar. We have Isaac, who is tied to the altar. That is the kapot tmarim. He was kaput. We have Jacob, who is the myrtle, who is the hadas, just as the hadas has lots and lots of leaves. So Jacob has lots and lots of children, not even a verse over here. And finally, we have the aravot, just as the aravot wither before the other three. And those of us who use a lulav and etrog know you have to replace it in the middle of the week. It's often very annoying. So Joseph died before his brothers. And then we go on and we refer it to the four mothers. Um, Hadar, similar to Abraham, is Sarah is referred to as Hadar because she grew old. Rebecca is referred to as the lulav, just as the lulav has edible fruit as well as prickles. So Rebecca brought forth a good man who was Jacob and a wicked one who was Esau. We have the Hadas Myrtle um, representing Leah, who had lots of children. And finally, we have the Aravot, similarly to what we saw before. The Aravot died before the other three species, so Rachel died before her sister. And again, we have this, so we have these very, very interesting comparisons, but again, I think we, and I think the idea of role models is a very, very important um, aspect of Jewish life. It's not Jesus who is more than a human. Neither is it a completely abstract faith. I think what Judaism says is we need real role models in our life. We need real people who are able to look to and say, I want to be like that. I want to be, um, be that person. But our role models too have complex lives. Some, like Abraham and Sarah, live to be very old. Others, like Rachel and Joseph, die before they t- before their time. Some, like Isaac, go through trauma. Some have lots of children. Some do not have um, as many children. And if they do have children, just because you're a good person, just because you're a role model, doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. And even if you didn't, even if it isn't connected to mistakes, sometimes one kid comes out good and another not good. So what we have over here, in a very sweet way, this can be read very naively, is just the rabbis playing with little verses. But I think on a much deeper way, what they're saying is that these people lived complex lives when it came to childhood, when it came to descendants, when it came to length of years, their lives were complicated. So, so far we have God who is seen in four ways, in majesty, amongst people, above people, and righteous. 
We've seen role models who live complex lives. Next, in Vayikra Rabba 3011, number three on your source sheet, we have it referring to Torah or the legal process. Hadar represents the Sanhedrin, the central court, where God was Hadar them, honored them. The word Hadar means honor. You can just do basically everything with it, with old um, old age, similar to what we said with Abraham and with Sarah. So that is the central court. The Kapot Tmarim, the um, Lulav, represents the scholars, the Chachamim, who force Kofeh, Kapot and Kofeh are from a similar root, who force themselves to learn Torah from each other. We don't always feel like learning, but we force to learn. Then we have the um, ha- um, had- Hadassim, which if you know of Hadassim, they are like, like they, they, they branches with lots and lots of little leaves on them. And this is the rows of students who sit in front of the to- people who teach in Torah. And finally, we have the Aravot who write, which represents the judges who write down the words of those who sentence and those who let people free. They represent the scribes. And once again, we have the image of a Torah world in which everybody does something different. Some people are the great Sanhedrin who decide enormous cases, who create law, who make law. Other people spend their time learning on a very high level. Other people learn from them and other people in turn, their job is to record what happens. There is a hierarchy here. I think the Sanhedrin is the highest. Then you have the Chachamim. Then you have the Talmidim. And then you have the Sofrim. I think there is a hierarchy going over here. But all four are needed for this to work. And all four are needed for the system to be kept going. So God, role models, Torah. Next, we have the one that if people are familiar with only one, this is possible, either the one that people know. And that is that the four different species, the Arbaminim, represent the Jewish people. We have the Etrog, which is taste. Taste represents Torah, because when you learn it, you have a good taste. And fragrance, smell, is the keeping of mitzvot, because when I keep mitzvot, I feel good. And when I smell, I feel good too. And those represent people who have learning and good deeds. The lulav has taste but not smell. So that is only people people who learn but on such good people. And we know, sadly, that this does happen. And it's a source of great pain that um, some of people learn a lot but aren't actually good. The um, hadasim or has smell but no taste. These are people who are really good people and do lots of mitzvot but aren't learned. And finally, you have the poor arava who has absolutely nothing, no taste, no smell. And there are people indeed who are not learned and don't keep mitzvot. What do we do? I love this piece. What does the Holy One, blessed be he, do to them? To destroy them is impossible. Let them all be tied together. Kulam aguda echad. Put them together. Vehen mechaprim elu al elu. And they will um, atone one for each other. The um, Lubavitcher Rebbe has some beautiful thing about this. He says the Etrog Jew, that's the one who is both, is able to harmonize Torah thought and deed. The Lulav Jew brings a devotion to Torah unparalleled in the other three, so busy learning Torah, he doesn't have time to do mitzvot. 
the Hadass Jew puts all their energies into the commission of good deeds, and finally the Aravad Jew, while having neither understanding of a Torah nor the benefit of performing good deeds, has the clear faith of the simple, simple Jew and receives the benefit of the qualities of the other three. A very, very beautiful reframing, very, very typical of the late Lubavitcher um, Rebbe, really looking at all of these um, very, very positively. This is not pluralism in the way modern people think of it. This is not orthodox conservative reform or Likud and... Um, and the Democratic Union or whatever, or liberals or conservatives or Zionists or whatever the case might be. But it does show a great understanding of the multiplicity, the variety of the Jewish people, and all of us, regardless of who we are, have something to bring at the table. So far, not bad at all, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of coming up with um, with some principles. God, who is seen in many different ways and roles. Role models who live complex lives. Torah, which is a serious process and needs different people doing different things. And the Jewish people, all of whom have different qualities that they bring to the table. But finally, we have in Vayikra Rabbah 3014, it says the spine of the Lulav represents the spine of a person. The Hadas represents the eye. The willow, the um, arava, no, the hadas. I was so proud of myself for not having made a mistake with them until now. But yes, I did. The hadas is the eye and the aravot is the mouth. This is because of their shape, the way that they, um, um, the way that they look, um, look like. And I think it's very interesting. First of all, I'm not sure in a medieval or pre-modern principles of faith, they would have had the individual. The, the idea of an individual was not as strong then as it is for us now. Um, but I think it's very interesting, if you think of it, that we have God, we have role models, we have Torah, with the Jewish people. Here we have the individual. And I think each of these represents a different part of our lives. The spine is what keeps us erect, what keeps us up. And I think the spine is our backbone, our integrity, what we do with our lives, our actions. The eye, the, the hadas is the eye. I think the eye is what we take in, what we experience. The mouth is what we give out, what we share of our experience. And finally, we have the etrog, which in sex represents the heart. The heart in modern thinking, or medieval thinking even, or Western thinking, or whatever it might be, is the seat of emotions. Of course, it's not. It's where we pump blood and oxygen. But um, but in the biblical and rabbinic conception, this was the head. This is the intellect. So we have integrity, experience, and intellect, actions, feeling, and learning. And it's interesting, Gershom Sholem and Neil Gilman, both great and very different Jewish thinkers, wrote articles separately from each other in which they spoke about three different types of Jews. The Jews who experiences, the chassid, the spiritual person, the Jew who learns, the academic or the lamdan, the Jew who does, the osem um, mitzvot, the, the, the chassid, the tzaddik. These are three different ways that um, that... Jewish people relate. Again, going to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, I, um, the Lubavitcher Rebbe speaks about in terms of prayer and the shape of it, 
that um, the the etrog is like the heart, and this person is directed in prayer upwards, saying, aware of to whom they are praying. The eyes, the hadas, are going downwards, and that is the idea of what am I praying for. The, the aravot, which actually look a little bit like lips, is the um, consciousness of somebody who is really, really in touch with God, and the backbone is somebody standing in silent devotion, um, sure that their prayer will be answered. Again, another idea about how the individual has different ways of relating to God. So all in all, I actually think that these bring up five very, very interesting ideas which could be the basis of living a Jewish life. A relationship with God who plays different roles in the world, looking towards other people to be our role models. I even think the order could be, um, is of value. Learning Torah um, and understanding its complexity, being part of the Jewish people and understanding that each one has its role to play. And finally, this is not first, as it might be in some understandings, it's last, but understand that I as an individual have importance and value and my role to play in the Jewish world. Chag Sameach. Thank you, Rabbi Levin Cruz. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Pardes from Jerusalem.